Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Welcome to episode 97 of the Galen Trombley Show. Um, this guy I've been trying to get in since probably episode 7, and we're on 97, so he's been very elusive. Um, this is Mr. Forrest Edwards. He is an accountant at Alexander Edwards & Co., and also the chief number cruncher at NoTax. And besides that, I'll let you just give, give us the rundown. People that don't know you. He's also one of the most fashionably dressed uh, business pe- business people in all of the North Country. Very pastel. Really? Very pastel. <laughs> Um, so people that don't know you, Forrest, give us the rundown. Who are you? Why are you here? What do you do? What do you live? Like, where'd you come from? So born and raised in Plattsburgh here, um, went to PHS, um, in my graduating year, I decided that Plattsburgh maybe wasn't where I wanted to, you know, live the rest of my life. Growing up here, it's kind of a small town. I always had that big city mentality and wanted to, you know, see the world and see more of what you could see outside of the area. Um. And uh, when I graduated high school, I went down to college in uh, right around the Orlando area um, for accounting and did that, uh, had a hard time, you know, focusing, going to school. It was kind of like go to the Daytona Beach, spring break and bike week and all those fun things or go to class. So I uh, did, did not go to class. <laughs> so no, what, first, what, first what, run at school what was... College? It, it's it's now called, it's not even there it's it was Seminole Community College. Okay, um, I didn't break any rewards other than getting the business award in high school, which I uh, was pretty excited about. Um, so I went to yeah, it was Seminole Community College. It's now called Seminole State College. I think it's what they call it now. It's a four year university now, not a, a community college anymore. But uh, yeah, I went down there. I have some family down there, cousins, um, aunts and uncles and stuff. So I went down there, lived in Orlando, stayed with them for a bit, and uh, was going to school. Well, not going to school. Um, <laughs> small, small details. Small yeah. details. Yeah. The beach was nice. So you know, it, yeah, the beach was nice. <laughs> Definitely, <laughs> it, was, it was a lot, a lot different. You know, and, and you know, meeting new people and all that type of stuff. So. It was, it was tough to definitely focus on study. So the first time around in college was a huge failure. Um, but you know, me being that type of person, I only will learn from my own failures. So. Flash forward uh, 10, 20 years. No, it was probably 10, 10 plus years. Got an associate's degree after, you know, 10, 12 years of being a, in, in, <laughs> in a community college. But uh, yeah, not consecutive years, but there were some times in there. So I decided to go to work. Um, actually, my first, well, I should take it back. My first, first job was mowing the lawn and painting and doing the recycling at Alexander Edwards and Company. I did that from when I was 13 years old uh, up until I graduated high school. Same location? Yeah, right there. Okay. I, painted, I painted that building multiple times, and the paint's peeled off in <laughs> layers, 30, layers 30 years. I've, I've, yeah, I've been working there on and off. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I um, first job was there. Second job, I actually worked at a Hollywood Video. I don't know if it's like a blockbuster video. They don't even have video stores anymore. So it's obviously Wait, a thing. Of the, not the this one. This was on... in Orlando. No, oh, it's, okay. It's called Hollywood Video. It was like a spinoff of 
Blockbuster kind of similar competition, but uh, just the, I think they same time Blockbuster was open. Yes, or before the same collapse? time, same time before the collapse. Back okay. when you used to rent videos, I remember. So that. I did well, that, and yeah. I was that was when I was going to school, and uh, ended up taking a job because uh, I've, I've always been a huge car enthusiast. I'm definitely in, into cars, um, and I took a job. I did oil changing. Uh, I worked at a Mobile Lube Express in in Orlando, and I did that for like a few years, and I actually liked it. And it, honestly, like rewind everything back some of those some of those times was the, my most fulfilling time and actually work uh it was just fun I, I i enjoyed it i enjoyed cars i enjoyed being around them uh it was where i got my first you know taste of sales uh selling products to people with their oil change you know i'm sure everyone knows about <laughs> what that's like um did that for a few years and i had a uh job came up option uh for uh, car sales and uh I said, you know, I'm not going to give a shot at that. I've been, been doing, doing pretty good at sales. I mean, I everything seemed to make sense, and I j- jumped, you know, head into car sales and did that and worked for almost a decade down in Orlando. I started as a salesperson, um, and I just – it was definitely something that I – it was like, you know, what I was, was just saying, a duck to water. Like, I was just like a natural. Um, I think my first month was like two cars. My second month was like 30 cars. I had sold 30 cars. Wow. So I was just, I, I killed it there, honestly. And I moved up pretty quick. And I was right around maybe 20, 21 years old at that time. And uh, I went to work for, uh, as a sales manager at a uh, independent used dealer in, in Orlando and got some good experience, worked for someone that had been in the industry for years. And at that point, once I was a manager, it was the next progressive steps. I, you know, worked at other dealers. Um, and I was like, in, in my early 20s, managing a car dealership with you know 20 30 employees which was strange and it was just kind of like figure it all out how old were you oh late 20 23 i want to say my so i my first manager job was in 06 so that would yeah 24 24 years old yep yeah 24 good at math (laughs) (laughs) chief number cruncher (laughs) yeah so yeah it it was strange you know like and everyone was younger than me i was young buck and it was it was definitely strange but i gravitated toward like finance management which was like getting the cars financed through banks selling ancillary products and uh handling the funding of all the contracts because i always gravitated to numbers it's always been something that's been easy for me um my grandfather was an accountant my dad's an accountant and here i am now in 2020 as an accountant. What, what, what kind of car... Where were you working for the car um, sales? Like, a deal, is it, was it a Orlando? I, so was I like worked at uh, you know, Ford dealers. I worked at uh, uh, an auto mall down there that had like seven different brands under it. Um, but mostly I stayed to independent just because in new car, like the commissions are not very good and the hours are not very good. You work new cars. You could you could spend hours selling a car and make seventy five dollars on it. That's usually what like seventy five to hundred dollars is what they call a mini deal. Mm-hmm. So you spend all that time. You sell a brand new car. You and you make a hundred bucks after three four hours. Whereas you go to independent dealers, they'll pay you like a percentage of uh, profit. You know, thirty percent of gross profit, or some of them will give you like a flat two to three four hundred dollar flat car. And to me, it was like a no brainer. You know, so I gravitated towards those used cars you know they don't make any money on new cars used cars is where all the money's made in the in the car business do you do you find are, like how's, how's accounting work do you do you get salary commission when you get paid typically uh, salary or hourly okay yeah because i was always wondering like when i 
Like one of the reasons I got into real estate was not to have an hourly rate because I just knew like what I would be capable of doing and what I wanted to do. Like I, I don't want to get, I don't want to just show up and get paid. Like I want to show up and get paid for what I produce. And that's, I totally get that. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that was the thing that one of the things that gravitated me towards real estate and still to this day, like I couldn't go to a salary job or even if I love the position, I don't know if I could do a salary because I just like the idea of like, I can always get better. Um, not, not driven driven by money, but I'm driven by getting better. So like obviously by doing more, selling more, you make more. So it's kind of a right uncapped potential. Yeah. And that, that's really the thing. So I wasn't sure if that's car sales. You, you had like a sniff of that, right? Well, yeah, that, definitely. I mean, that's how there was no base salary. Right? So I mean, just, no, I mean, well, when I was in management, I had like a base weekly salary plus commission on every car that was sold by mm-hmm. the dealership. So I was, you know, obviously pushed to sell more cars out of that dealership because I would get a smaller commission than selling a car myself, but they would pay me a base weekly salary and uh, it's just a, you know, say like a hundred dollars a car, but every car that's sold out of there, you get a hundred and then you would negotiate like back end pay plans because you, I would typically get 30% of whatever I sold on ancillary products or holding points, you know, like when they, the bank, t- the dealership tells you they got you 5%, well, they really got you 3% and then they charged you 5% and made the difference between the two. So when you go into like, buy a car what was giving us like some insider knowledge if you're going to go buy a car at a place like what's the best route to go because i've heard if you go buy a car at the end of the day like you can get them down to because a lot of car dealerships work in volume not necessarily per deal so they get more incentive to sell a certain amount per month especially with new cars too so if you go in yeah you do want to get them down to the bare bare bones of what they can go down to i always say come in and negotiate as a cash buyer um, you don't have to be a cash buyer to negotiate as a cash buyer. If you have funding set up like a credit union, there's some great local credit unions around here, and getting f- funding with them first before going to buy the car, it takes that one edge of the deal out because a lot of times, okay, I'm negotiating a front end, like my gross profit on the sale with you, but I know that I'm going to be able to get you for a gap warranty, uh, prepaid maintenance, <laughs> every every, yeah. every single product, under VIN window etching, uh, everything product under the sun. Uh, sometimes we'll take a shorter front end deal in order to make more in the back end. Um, but if you're going in there negotiating a cash buyer, you're, you're, it's only front end. You're negotiating one number and they can't play the shell game on you where, oh, well, we can get you the longer term, your payment lower and play that and box you into a payment. You're negotiating on a price. You already know what your payment's going to be based on the price because you have your funding set up prior to buying the car. Gotcha. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, so, so you'd always say if you're going to go... Now, what happens if you're leasing a car? Different? Well, yeah, because a lot of... There, I mean, there's companies that do offer leases, but if you're leasing a brand new car, you're pretty much going to have to go to the terms. But a lot of times, just stick to the to the advertised offer. You know, they'll, they'll try to say, oh, you don't qualify for that sometimes. But mm-hmm. for a lot of times, if they advertise a lease at 179 a month with a certain amount down, you pretty much can get that deal. Yeah. I mean, I never... When I was leasing cars, I never put money down just because I, I didn't think of me... Like, because if you do the math, you just... just it doesn't make sense. It doesn't... Make, well, it, it doesn't even take... It, there's no benefit to put more money down. Because they don't change the loan terms. They change the loan term literally by that number divided by, say, 36 payments. Yep. So it's like, well, I'll just put zero down and just inflate my monthly payment and save some money in pocket. And that's what I always did because right. there was no penalty to do it. And the time value of money makes that a good investment. Because you have yeah. you have that two, three grand saved up that you didn't put down. And you can hopefully make more money with that money. And buying a car is like buying a house. You put more money down, less you pay, less interest. Yeah. And borrow. Yep. So um, I, I could never, I don't know if I could sell, 
I don't think I could sell cars. I loved it, man. It was yeah. Honestly, it was like it's definitely my passion because I'm passionate about cars. Um, and it, it was it's fun, but, but the, the hours is what killed me. And I it took a. I mean, yeah, I made a ton of money working in the car business, but it took a ton of my time. I missed. I was working eighty hour weeks, and I, I you know I missed the early years of my son growing up. I missed all the fun things to do because I was working nine to nine or sometimes nine to 11. I would be, you know, 10, 12, 14 hour days. What? So now were you working those hours in order to like make enough or were you working those hours out of like, you had to be there those hours? I mean, like, did you purely work that time? Cause I just want to make more money or, or I needed like needed to work well, the hours I was in or sales. No, I mean, I definitely had more time when in the sales, but when you're in management, they, the owners ex- they expect you to be there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that, that, and that's another reason I think real estate drew me in was the fact that like I have two young kids now and a third on the way. It's like if I I want to be able to go see their stuff when I want. Like I, I definitely work a lot and I definitely put the hours in, but it's not you know abnormal for me to come here on a Sunday morning at five thirty six in the morning and work till ten and go home. Yeah, like I work five six hours or not six, but four to five hours in the morning when nobody's here and go home and most people aren't doing that. But then I go home and I spend the rest of the day with the kids. So like I can factor in where my work is and sometimes I can't. Sometimes it's like, no, I do have to go do a house at six o'clock at night when I'd rather be home. But there, there's like a benefit. And I think at our age, you put a lot of early sacrifice for the long-term you know, comfort. Absolutely. Like I always tell people, I'm like, I can, I can work really, really, I can bust my ass for five years, six years, 10 years, whatever it is. And then have a lot of leverage to do a lot of cool stuff later on in life or i can just sit there and kind of just coast now and i'll be at this i'll literally be coasting for 30 years and i'll never really get to the next level so i'm just one like let's put all our eggs in the basket now let's do it all um and to see where it goes and then just know and leverage yourself through time which i'm starting to do now so it's kind of worked out well but the and you're building a team too that's well that's that's part of it i can't do it by myself that's why you leverage with other people and that's why i was wondering if like from a sales perspective when you did it 90 hours a week that obviously you're you're expected to be there like that would like that would suffocate me i think like if i had to yeah definitely like what what was your my 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 inflection point or my turning point was so i probably shouldn't (laughs) so i i was working for a dealership and it was when i first became a general manager and i had to hire someone for my replacement it was a finance manager so i went out and interviewed and and i ended up hiring an older gentleman he may have been 60s or 70s I don't know older gentleman I hired him and it was just like it hit me I was like this is gonna be me in 40 years Mm -hmm. I'm gonna be 60 something years old still working in the car business and there's gonna be some 20 year old hotshot telling me like hiring me I was just like I just saw myself 40 years in the future Mm -hmm. and I was like this is not what I want to do and it was like I don't remember what year that was probably somewhere in 08 you know around that time uh, and I was just like, this is not what I want to do for my life because there's no retirement plan in the car business. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's why you see, you know, older people still sometimes selling cars. Like it's same. I mean, real estate again, there's no retirement of, plan in real estate. Lot yeah, of save your money, like, save your money. Like I save my money. I mean, I, I, I was lucky. I started a retirement account when I was 19. Like that that's, helps, yeah. but it's, it's the idea that a lot, a lot of the stuff that you do in real estate, if you're not, a lot of realtors aren't very good at budgeting money. You know, just the way they're paid and stuff like, like that. like the large cash payments. It's tough. Well, it's yeah. just like the ups and downs. It's like you really got to kind of eventually budget. It, it's a weird industry. I love it. I wouldn't change it, but it's, man, it, it's hard. Like it's hard to break into. And that's, some people want that initial salary just to be like, I like I haven't had a paycheck since I was 19. 
or 20 working at like an ice cream stand. Place. Yeah. <laughs> like literally I've been like commissioned ever since. So like if I suck, I don't get paid. Um, so what was your driving factor behind like when you sold cars, like what was your like, like what was the reason you sold cars? Like why did you like it so much? Or what was like, cause this is where I have a hard time with cars compared to real estate. So I want to hear your opinion. Like if you were to sell cars, like what was like, like, why did you do it? What got you excited about it? Like, what was, like... I mean, meeting someone new every day, that was part of the fun part, you know? Um, it was just a hustle, honestly. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a hustle, you know? And you learn a lot. I mean, I worked with a lot of experienced people and picked up real quick. I mean, you get half-dealed once and then it doesn't happen again. You you know, you learn that and you learn how to half-deal others, you know? So, do, do, do you find that, like... Getting a sale, was that kind of like an addiction? Um, yeah, I would say so. Because you knew you hadn't... So <laughs> there used to be this thing, and they call it the forest walk, all the guys I worked with. And they'd say when they see me walking through the... We had a long hallway, and there was various offices off this long hallway. And they say, if you see Forrest walking at this rate of speed, he's got a deal going. And it was. I mean, honestly, it, there, there was adrenaline going. You know you're going to yeah. make money. You're You're excited. And especially when you got multiple deals going. So like we would do like incentives on Saturdays, like hat tricks and you'd get, a, so you get like a bonus $350 on top of your 350 per car. So there would be like Saturdays where I would load up appointments and I just load up because I knew I'm like, they're going to throw out spiffs, cash spiffs, like first deal of the day gets a hundred bucks. Last deal of the day gets a hundred bucks. So I would load up my schedule. Even if I knew I wasn't going to make it, I could half deal them off to somebody else. I would load up this, you know, oh, you know, Mr. Smith, come see me. You know, I got somebody right now. I'm going to put you with Brian. So you'd make half of that as like and a I would referral make half, fee kind of thing. I, I make half the deal of the salesman mm-hmm. I gave my, my customer to. Mm-hmm. So I realized that it's like you got to have the customers. And it, a lot of it was like I was not – so just being green in the industry, people – it's a tough industry. People are hard on each other there. And there was a group of old men that used to make fun of me because I would stand out in the front gate waiting people to come in and wave at them and, you know, and just be that first friendly face. I didn't know any better. I mean, I'm a, this is a North country kid down here in the, in the big city and, you know, and they would laugh at me and make fun of me. But then when I'd start putting numbers up, they'd be like, crap, what the hell is this little kid doing? Like, you yeah. know, and, uh, I don't know. I lost my train of thought. Right no, I, I know. I think that's good. No, I was, I was uh, I was saying like the, the adrenaline of the deal, like the same thing you said, like, like shuffling or getting excited. Yeah. Like oh, there's, yeah. there's days I have, like in a day, there's a couple times this year that I've had like three going on, like you said, and like it's, it's three in real hard. estate's a lot. Like, it, it, like yeah. the for an agent to put it in perspective, there's probably going to be two agents this, this year that sell a deal a week. So, like, you know what I mean in real estate. So it's not like you sell a deal every single day. Like that's insane if you do that. Um, but there's a couple times where I have like three going on at one day, and I'm like, let's go. Like and. And it's just motivate money. Motive money is well, a motivator. Well, it it's yep. Yeah, but the thing is, it, it like, is. I mean, no, no, not but the no, thing is, it is. It well, no, no, it is and it isn't. This is my thing. Like when I'm doing a deal, I honestly, if it's a hundred thousand dollar deal or a three hundred thousand dollar, I swear, focus. I swear to God, it's that's, the same focus because I don't. That's good. I don't care too much about the money aspect. To me, it's it's the thrill of solving the puzzle. It's the thrill of like getting catching the house. A fish. It's catching a fish, and yeah. like for me, it's like. If I put together a hundred thousand dollar, if I put together a hundred thousand dollar deal, that's a multi-offer deal over a three fifty. That was just like I knew it was going to come together. I get way more jacked up about the hundred thousand deal because I beat someone out, and I know it's crazy. I get paid three times more on the other one, but I'm like, it's 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 that. And the thing is, like 
when I track numbers, like I have numbers out on my board, like them. the only numbers that I swear to God, I mean, I have other numbers because we factor off a of volume, but the up there, when I have the goal numbers and the to-go numbers and the pending units, like those are the numbers I look at constantly because, and, and then obviously the closed sales, because those are the numbers I'm like, I'm like zoned in on because it's, the, I can't, the dollar amount, I really can't, um, there's yes. Can you sway? Impressive numbers. Can you sway? Can you sway? Yeah. In, in yeah. a pandemic, even. Well, if I'm able to pull off my goal number, I think that will be the highest. Is that twenty percent over last year? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's. That would be my highest number. I think that'd be the highest number on our board in ten years. That's incredible. If I can pull that number off, so yeah, so it's dope. But like, if I can look at these numbers, like, okay, someone bought a house for one hundred and twenty-nine thousand. Well. That's a listing, and then I also have a listing up there for two hundred eighty-five. Like, I don't both referrals. I like, always thought that, like in real estate, like listings is where it's at because you're going to get yeah because I mean, you're going to get paid either way whether you sell it's or like, somebody else. Buy it's it. like literally holding the carrot or trying to get the carrot. Like I'm right. holding good, the carrot. Like some yep. like I'm gonna if I ha- the other thing with listings too. It's a I can go meet with a seller and hypothetically from start to finish, depending on who they are, I could probably have a about four hours invested in that deal. A couple hours to meet with them. Maybe I go back. Maybe it's five hours, talk on the phone a little bit, do some research. Say even five or six hours. I have invested with a little bit of more time with phone calls and conversations depending on who they are. I'm I'm probably not getting much more than 10 hours of like really focused work on that deal. Where if I'm with a buyer and they go look at 10 homes, I probably have the same amount of, in a heavy, like, and that's not a guarantee they're gonna buy. Plus, I've had to run around and do stuff where listings, I can do it all in one shot, either with them or in the office. Or you show them 10 homes and they say, oh, my cousin, I found out my cousin's happens. brother's a realtor yep. and we just yep. bought through him and we already bought. Yeah, that happens quite often. And not that it's, but that, that's part of our business. Like we, but if you if you have the listing, then you're guaranteed, at least if somebody buys it, I'm going to be on that deal. So the 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 good thing is you want to you definitely trend to the listings. It takes time. It's not. You're um, building a brand too. Well, that's, that's what's happened. Like one of the things this year um, that I didn't, I wasn't focused on doing this this year and it just kind of happened. Like year today, I have the most listings, which I, if you would have asked me at 30 years old, you'd have the most listings. It would blow my mind. Like I'd be like, absolutely no way. Cause i cause you gotta think about it. most people selling their homes typically are older people. They have their friends and they have their peers that are in real estate. Like I don't have a lot of 30 year olds selling homes. No, I have no. some, but I have, you know, I'm getting the referrals from people and that's, um, and that's taking time. It's not easy. Like when I have new agents come on, like, Oh, can you do that? It's like, well, you, you all can do it, but you're not gonna do it tomorrow. Like it takes time. It takes time. Like Referral you just, networks is just, well, I think you did you with the car sp- industry for how long and you like day one, when you walked into the, when you left, how much knowledge did you oh gain? Oh my God. Like, You're a different so person. So my first job selling cars, it was at this place called JD buy writer. They're like a buy here, pay here nationwide there. I think they're Carmel, Indiana is where they're headquartered and they have like a couple hundred dealers nationwide and it's buy here, pay here. They sell these pieces of junk for overpriced and charge like the state max interest rate. And we had this little flip chart we had to do where it was like, you were teaching them about the program and we're going to build your credit and you know, blah, 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 blah. And it was like this flip chart you had to do. And I remember my first time doing a flip chart with a customer, my hands were shaking. I could barely grab the laminated sheets to flip over this little binder thing we had. <laughs> and I was like so nervous. And it was like, I'd never, I mean, I'd never sold anything in my life. I didn't know it, you know, it was just ner- nerve wracking. And then to the, you know, to, to it, you know, with anything experience, Definitely trumps it. And, and learning. Like sat, I sat back 
And I'm the type of person is I'm not a very loud, boisterous. I don't talk a lot. I'm sit back. I listen, learn, see what's going on, see what the environment around me is and just learn, learn, and then take everything I've learned and put it into action and just, uh, yeah, it's just, well, it's also the idea too, over 10, you did cars for what, 10 years? About 10 said? years, yeah. But think about how much poise you had at 10 years versus your one. Oh, Cause God. you said you're one, you're scrambling around and this yeah. is like, I see new agents get nervous. And I'm like, and now I'm to the point where like, if you give me a scenario, 99% of the time I can figure it out. And the 1% I don't, I, I'm not like flustered. I'm like, eh. I know who to ask. Well, I got a friend that can do it or whatever. There like, was like a joke in our dealership because like, so I, I had really taken interest in certain people, like people that apply and like this guy, there's one guy I, I remember vividly, like he didn't look like a car salesman. The, the sales manager laughed at him when he brought the application. He was making fun of him. And I was sitting there and I'm like, you know what? This guy, this guy knows a lot about cars. I was like, he knows a great deal. This guy had been a mechanic. I said, I'm going to hire, and I guarantee you he's still selling cars to, till this day. I said, I'm going to hire this guy. I'm going to make him the number one salesperson here at this dealership. And it was like a project for me. I would find people that really interest me. There's a couple other guys I can think of off the top of my head where I was just like, I'm going to make this guy, uh, and it's probably their career now. Like mm-hmm. these were guys were 18, 19, 20 year olds, kind of similar probably what you're doing with new realtors. And it's like this, no one would have given this guy a chance. I mean, if I show you what the, I don't want to say anything, but mm-hmm. like no one would have given this guy a chance. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, and I hired him and I was like, you're going to sell cars because you know about cars. You can't fake the knowledge. I mean, you, sorry. Yeah. You can't fake the knowledge. Like some people will be like, you ask them like, and I'll go like when I went, bought my last car, I asked questions that I already know the answers to. I mean, I, I sit and read consumer reports and I, I'm very interested in cars and I'll ask questions to see how they answer me. And they'll give you like BS answers that. Be like, oh, what's that stand for in the back? What is, you know, what does MyVex stand for? What does DOHC? What does that mean? And ask them questions to see what what, what their reactions be. If they're going to give me a BS answer where they have no idea and I already know what the answer is, or if they're going to be like, you know what, I'm not really sure what that means, but you know, what? I'll find out for you and I'll make sure I get you that knowledge. Uh, and mm-hmm. that was one of my things. Is like, if you know cars and you know, you don't, the sales part of it, you don't have to have the gimmicky and, and the, you know, I'm sure everyone has been in the situation with high pressure sales. Like I was never high pressure sales yeah. and it doesn't work. And, and if, I mean, it does work. It works for some dealers, but at the end of the day, that's your, it's a one-time sale. You're never going to get that person back. I would sell people cars and they would come back, uh, you know, I sell my car on a Wednesday and they come back Saturday with their grandmother and their aunt and their uncle be like, you did such a good deal for me. They want to buy a car from you too. And, you know, and you get multiple deals from family lines and referrals. And it's like that, that line of business was just, just re- return business. And it's, it never goes away. You know, it's something that you, you'll always get. Well, it's, it's like you said, it's the relationship aspect of it. That's number one. Like that's, I stress so much to new agents coming in. I said, it's number one. If you come in, there's roughly 140, 150 agents on our board. Um, why would they choose you over 140 plus other agents? Like that's something I asked myself 10 years ago. If I want to be number one, how do I leapfrog 140 plus people and, right. and prove that someone should use me over them? And you're looking at some big names like that have been around the industry for years. I'm like, how do I get more in demand than those people? And that, that was something you have to ask yourself. And a lot of it's relationships. I mean, relationships, it's, it's yeah. exposing yourself to the market and, and getting yourself out there, but it's meeting people. And you know, and that's, I look at the, I like podcast number 97, the amount of guests that are on this podcast that I knew five years ago before starting this, a handful, meaning so in, in a year I've met how many people that came on this podcast either in the last, basically the last five years. 
and it, but it's crazy when you like actually go out and meet people and then. Yeah. I remember when I met you at an ADKYP event. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I was like, I like this guy. Yeah, I, I think. What did go. I call you? I think I called I you. No, uh, but it was probably like Conor juice, McGregor. I was like, this guy's like, oh, like, a Conor have, McGregor. Did I have my big you beard? You had the full beard. I was like, I was oh, like, I like this guy. Do you watch UFC? Yeah, of course. This big Saturday, I, I haven't watched it honestly. I was in big time you into the it in the beginning. Those, you know which one's this Saturday? It's uh, what's his name with Khabib? The, Khabib, Khabib, yeah, Khabib with the little Gucci. hat he wears. Yeah, he's he's legit. I don't think anybody can beat him. So I've I've watched the last. I think Khabib's last fight was Connor. Connor, yeah, he wrecked him. Yeah, and and I watched that match or fight, whatever they call it, and then I watched Gaethje's last fight against I think it was Tony Ferguson, and Gaethje was like did really well because Ferguson's tough, and uh, so they're fighting this Saturday. So I think I might. There's a few times a year that I'll buy the fight. Well, I, I got duped in because they, they now they do it like they'll put the pre-fights. And I just realized it's free on air, and I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, I'm gonna get to see the and main they event. Cut out, and then they cut out, and it's like no main event. Like ten o'clock, they cut out. Yeah, and I'm like sitting. Here, I'm like, oh, so I don't get to see this fight, and I get to watch the replays from uh, <laughs> on well, YouTube. So the, the Gaethje Ferguson one's great. The other, the last one I, I got before that was Connor versus Cowboy, and Connor stopped him like a minute. Yeah. So it was like you kind of get hyped up for it, which is great. I'm a Connor fan. Knocks no. him out, like, <laughs> if you can't tell. And uh, so it stopped him really quick. And then, you know, obviously the Ferguson Gaethje one, I think he stopped Ferguson like the fifth round, but he stopped him. Like he was just beating the crap out of him. And um, so I'm excited. I'm probably going to watch it Saturday night. I usually, it's like on a whim. I usually don't buy a lot of pay-per-view, but I get to the point where I'm what like. What do they cost for that fight? I've never oh, even it's watched like it. 60 bucks. 60 bucks to see one fight. Yeah. But I mean, it's not, nine. it's not the. The money, the money to watch it. I mean, the, you're better off getting a bunch of buddies and watching it and just split everybody pitch in 10 right. bucks. Yeah. Problem is, dad life, I'm sitting there at 10 o'clock at night. Like, all right, ESPN Plus, here we go. I'm sitting there and like... Who was the, the last UFC? There was a guy, I think he's from Brazil. He's a new guy. I mean, he is... Costa? The, Costa? It may be. Costa? Oh my gosh, he's insane, this new guy. I mean, he reminds me of... It's not uh, Jose Aldo, is it? No, no, he's been around for a while. It, it's the tall guy. Good looking tall, guy, big tall. Super like, skinny, yep. And yeah, he's got uh, wicked reach on him. I think it's coast. Is it coast? It, it may be, but uh, man, he 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 reminds me of when Anderson. Remember when Anderson Silva came on? Yes, and like, right. there's nobody that can beat Anderson Silva. And I think it was well, who was it? Like Loyola Machida beat him, or Could somebody beat him. But it was like there's no one's gonna like the style of fighting he was putting out, hitting people at certain angles, and it was well. well the thing with UFC, like I I don't I mean I don't know a lot about UFC. I I, I kind I like semi follow. I'm a loose follower. I definitely get more jacked up when Connor's fighting kind of guy. So like I'm definitely like. I'm I'm not yeah I'm not a true like in the weeds guy but from what I've seen the amount of times are like best fighter ever best fighter ever and I'm like are they really the best fighter ever it just seems like they've had like pound a good for pound like it just seems like they've had a good like two months and now they're the best fighter ever yeah. all time I'm like maybe John Jones you know oh he, he's he's nasty you could probably say but it's always funny when they, when they bring out and they make you might be the what best at this or that yeah, and I'm like okay <laughs> I'm like relax like it's the best like to me the best ever is like John Jones. You'll probably argue Khabib at this. I mean, now granted, obviously go old school. I mean, there's like Anderson Silva and, and uh, go even older I like school. GSP. Than that. What did you ever watch? Like the original? If it was no. Oh I my didn't. gosh! I remember Reruns, watching this, clips, but I remember watching them, and it was like it was like Noel Holds Bar, Hoist Gracie, and who was the guy? Ken Shamrock. Oh yeah, and Ken Shamrock. Was he this? He went into the, like the WWF he got or something. Destroyed by Tito Ortiz like four times in a row. He's like, I want a rematch, and got beat every single time. But didn't he go and do like professional wrestling, yeah. like oh, the yeah. like the WWE, WWE or no WCW? W- yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, because I remember. Do you remember WCW? I was oh, a big dude. wrestling fan back in the day. 
Were you? WWF, but I never watched much WCW. WWF, I mean, like, I'm talking like Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, Roddy Roddy Piper, Million Dollar Man, and no one forgets Ric Flair. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) The... He I just like retired. He had like a heart attack, still fighting. I, I mean, he's only alive in memes, I think, right now. <laughs> <laughs> Did he have like a stroke recently? Probably. So when I was a kid, I used to, God, I watched so much wrestling. I had all the action figures. The thing was, WCW, the reason I watched it is I think it came on like Saturday nights at like seven or eight. And then WWF, it was WWF, now it's WWE. Yeah. So before it was the World Wildlife Foundation, I think that's why they actually had to change it. But. <laughs> WWF back in the day was like Stone Cold Steve Austin. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rock was WCW. Oh, was he? I, th- that, that, I wasn't wait. watching then. I thought so, Rock so, was... Cause did they merge? Did the two of them merge? Did no, wait. I, was, I lied. The Rock was WWF. Stone Cold Steve Austin, WWF. Like WCW was... Um, I don't even remember. I think like DDP, Diamond Dallas Page. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I think that, he, yeah. he, he with the diamond. The, the diamond. So um, I think he was in there, and it was obviously you had like um, I think Hulk Hogan was still kicking around, but WCW was kind of like the lesser of the two, and WWF. Yeah. When I was a kid, it was like the minor leagues. Yeah, WWF. I mean, was they the had major some. Leagues. They had some le- legit people that were like known. Goldberg was a big WCW yeah. guy, yeah. I think, before he went to WWF, and I could be wrong. It's been a lot. It's like twenty years ago. But I remember like WWF was like Monday Night Raw, which is like nine o'clock. Like I couldn't ever stay up for it. So <laughs> it was always like, for me, it was like the more like adult one because just later at night I couldn't see it. And then I started watching a lot of that. So um, back when they had like Generation X and you had like uh, Mankind and you had Undertaker and Kane and all Do you those the, guys, the guys that used to wear the shoulder pads with the huge spikes. Legion animal. of Doom, Animal, it? Animal, and uh, Hawk and Animal. Yeah, Legion of Doom. I yeah, think they were, yeah, great. Like tag team, <laughs> the Dudley Brothers. Like yeah. they had all these old. Um, remember, uh, it was the worst acting ever. Like what, I remember, like Jake. What was the, the guys? What was the guys with the hair? They were tag team, the Hardy Boys. The or Hardy Boys, <laughs> like just jumping <laughs> off of the like the ladder match and all this stuff. Total rednecks. It was great. The the uh, no the, man, yeah. So. I never actually. I would actually go watch a live fight now, like a lot, like a oh definitely whatever. Like if, if they you had said, one around here, hey, I would be there. Yeah, WWE. You want to go see WWE like Montreal? I'm in. Like, yeah, I just of why not go get some Molson, Molson Triple <laughs> X, and Triple X probably still involved, right? Because isn't he like a big manager guy now? I don't know. I haven't watched wrestling in probably 20 years. Um, <laughs> dude, I, now, well, just some of these names bring me back. Cause I'm like, Mankind is my favorite. I met Mankind one time at Walmart in Plattsburgh. That's crazy. He did a meet and greet. He's probably huge, wasn't he? No, he's like what you expected. Just kind of oh, okay. like this, like broken bag of bones with like long hair, just like doing whatever Sako or whatever his little oh, thing was. Right, that was the guy that wore that mask, right? Yeah, mankind. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, he was yeah. like, dude, love Cactus Jack, like all these man. I like I got in wrestling back like late nineties. I got into it in the early two thousands. Yeah, it's good stuff. Then I finally grew up and realized I was like, this is fake. <laughs> wait, wait, hold on, this is this real. That was like, he like didn't see the Stone Cold Stunner coming. <laughs> great, great times. Um, so. Question so where for you. Where were we at? Question for you. We're going back. <laughs> we, we, we went rabbit trailed to WWE. Because t- you started about fighting or something. Um, what's your take on Tesla? Oh, man. It's. I want to hear your It's opinion. the future, man. I, I don't want it. I'm a total uh, gearhead, muscle, muscle car. I mean, you saw my Challenger I have or had. I sold it this summer. Um, but Tesla's the future. I mean, Elon Musk is. I, I don't know if he's an alien or a human being. But he is, and it's just insane to see what he's built in that company. 
I mean, just if you look at the stock price itself, it's defied all odds. It's squeezed every short seller in the market. I mean, it's reverse split. Now it's still trading at up 450 again today. They released earnings that were just like blew the whole market up today again. So I watched I watched a documentary yesterday, last night on. So my wife is really big into like Mars right now. I don't know why. She's yeah, watching probably where Elon's from. She's pro- probably she's watching a lot of space movies. Well, and stuff. there's there's aliens now. If we got that 2020, that's the best thing that happened in 2020 is that the government admitted there's aliens. Like oh, it's like oh, by the way, there's aliens and the coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, but the, uh, yeah, which, which I, I don't doubt there's aliens. There's a hundred percent is aliens, but there's like, so she's really big into Mars. I love Tesla. So like we watched this documentary yesterday and he's just insane. Like they're like, Oh, by the way, like you did, was it zip.com and went and sold the X.com and sold the PayPal and made all this money. And then he just dumped it. He dumped like 180 mil back into Three billion dollar companies that weren't nothing or zero when he started, and now they're each worth, which is obviously was like SpaceX. Man, that's gonna when he ever takes that public, it like, is uh, SpaceX is not. It says he privately owns all of SpaceX. That's right. He private. Yes, the other ones though he he owns. He's <laughs> yeah. a majority share owner in all the other ones. So like he's, Solar City and Tesla. And, yeah, he's insane. I mean. SpaceX, I was reading a stat, because like, I got super into it when I saw them launch them during the, the pandemic. I was yeah. like, this is so freaking cool. We actually get to see live in the spaceship as it's going up. Like I remember as a kid watching them, and, and even living in Orlando, we, you could see the rockets shoot up, and you'd see you know a shoot through the air, but you never had the live footage inside as they're flying up. And I just thought that was so cool. And then when they looked at it, and they showed that his cost per shuttle is like one twelfth of what it costs NASA to do it with Boeing. So his cost per it's like so he can put twelve rockets up in for the same price, and he's putting well, them up there, and he's putting his his own internet. That's the key. He's dropping off these little things up in the sky, these satellites that he's going to have his own internet eventually. Well, well, the thing is, he's doing that, and they also said he's also getting them to come back to Earth and land in the exact same spot wherever he wants. Yeah. So they're like, not only is he shooting them up, but he's coming back and recycling them. So it's like, instead of having to keep building, because a lot of those things like come back and they're destroy, done. Yeah. They destroy. So like, yeah, we'll get you up there and it's going to come back, but it's going to, we're not going to be able to use it again. He's like, yeah, I'm going to have you go up, come back and just going to like get out of the car and like go over there and someone else is going to jump in on the next flight. And it's insane what he's doing. And it was funny because I'd listened to his audio book and, you know, watch a few interviews and stuff. And, um, not very knowledgeable, but you know, I watched a couple of interviews. So the uh, like the <laughs> basically, whole, I'm an expert. <laughs> basically, an expert. Uh, so what they were saying was, he's taking all like he basically came into the space industry because it was like a hobby of his, and he liked it. Because he's from outer space. That's yeah, what I yeah, basically. And he like showed up, and he's just like, I'm gonna do it. And everybody kind of laughed him off, and then he's and they're like, Oh, by the way, like he's the future of space exploration and the future of cars. Have you driven a Tesla? I've never even been in one as far as I'm in super into cars. I've actually, I've, I've looked inside them and I can see the gigantic tablet like thing they have. And I've heard extremely cool things about like their 90 and 120 series. Just, I mean, cause it's all torque. I mean, it's instant on demand torque. It's nothing like a naturally aspirated engine can do. Dude, it throws you back into the seat. I've driven one. There's like a ludicrous mode button too, right? I don't, that's like, I, I got to check on that cause I've heard it, but well, I don't. They, like the sixties, like, so they have like. Like the Model S is the only one I really think I, I'm like, yeah, that's cool. I don't think mm-hmm. I'd get any of the other ones. But the Model S, they make like a 60 series, an 80 series, let's say a 90 or a 120. And like the highest, the higher the number, the bigger electric motor you have, let's say. And they and on those ones, they have this button. It's called Ludicrous Speed. 
and it supposedly like unlocks everything, and it's supposed to be the fastest the way to drive it. So the Roadster that he has, is that. yeah, I've seen that. That thing's legit. So it's about two hundred grand. <laughs> Goes two hundred fifty thousand, two hundred and fifty miles per hour, or can go. Yeah. And it goes I'm zero. sure New York State trippers will be happy with it. And it goes zero to sixty in under two seconds. Yeah, that's insane. Like, I, I can't. And it's a four seater. Like that's the incredible thing about that. The range I think is six hundred miles of range per charge. That's that was always the thing. Like when we moved out to Arizona, I, I thought about getting an electric car, but I'm like, oh, I looked at the Leafs and the, this was years back. This yeah. was in, and um, the Leafs were 2013. But you only have like 40 miles of range or 50 miles. Yeah, of range. Yeah, that was the thing that they hadn't have much range. These Teslas and like. Some of the other companies coming out now that are, are making them, you know, it makes it doable. If you can go 600 miles, that's, you know, and it, all you really got to do is charge it every night. Like a buddy of mine has one of the Leafs and he, his electric cost is like dirt cheap. It's nothing. So is, have you ever been, have you ever driven an electric car? I drove his Leaf. Oh, you did? I mean, and it sounds like, What's it reminds like the, me of like the, a Jetsons car. All you hear is like... There's, That's all you, there's no noise and it's the quietest thing like i've been around them and i've driven them literally when someone's backing it out like you hear leaves crunching yeah. you don't hear the car <laughs> you just hear it like going over stuff because yeah. it's the quietest thing in the world it and i can't i can't stress like how insane the technology is in this car and I, i'm just like blown away by it i know i've i've, I've looked at them it's yeah. gonna be tough for me because i to, to to move away so i'm in the market this spring to buy a new car and I'd, I'd looked at them and I thought about it, but it's just like, oh, I don't know if I can do an electric car. I'm total, total What would be your like hesitation on it? I'm a gearhead. That's you I, just, yeah, purely... I, I like it. You know, I like gas engines, you know, I don't know. It's just, can you fix cars? Yeah, absolutely. I, for a while, I mean, now I'm, I'm like 30 something years old. I'm getting up in my age. I don't really like to do it anymore, mm-hmm. but I've always done all my own maintenance and all my own customizations on all my cars. Really? Cause I, like I told you earlier, I worked at the oil change place. Yeah. I, just didn't I learned know a lot like, from them and yeah. just studying it, you know, just and keeping it something I mean, I've been always been passionate about. So I, I, yeah, that's, that's the one thing so, I, like nowadays. Cause it's like, okay, do I pay somebody for an oil change? I used to do it myself, but my challenger, I always paid for just because it was so low. I didn't have a lift or anything, but like on my wife's pilot, she had, we'd, you I change I change oil every single time. I slide under it, turn the wheel. I mean, but now it's like, okay, I'll bring it to Mobile Lube Express, pay fifteen, twenty dollars more than what I would have paid, and I can just sit in there and drink a coffee. But well that's it. So like if I I'm the same exact way. But basically everything I do is to save time for the most part. Right. Like and obviously I don't know how to change my oil. I could. I can YouTube how to do it and probably learn it's how to do it. Literally one screw. Yeah. <laughs> and and like I don't think you just sit there and wait for it to drip and then put it back in. Yeah. And I know it's easy, but the same thing. I can drop it off. I can have someone else do it for $15, and I have now a half hour that I can sit there and work or do whatever I want and not have to do it. And like to me, like what do you, what do you say? This is a great question for you. People that do their own taxes, like what level – Base okay if you're okay, like so like if you if you have a one W two or even just you and your wife have a W two, if you can operate any simple app, you can do your own tax return. If you own a home, well maybe you might miss out on a few deductions or things that you could have deducted or, you know, if you own a business, that's really where you should really, or or self employed of some sort, realtor or anything. That's where you really should think about getting an accountant because. It's like I, I do 40-plus hours of continuing professional education every year. Uh, I have a bachelor's degree in accounting, and I you know, basically live and breathe this stuff. So it's 
I, I know I stay abreast on all the changes and all the laws and you, you're, you, what you see other people deduct, you're like, wow, you can actually do this or, or look at, you know, look at certain cases. And that is the point where I would say you should definitely, you know, look at getting, uh, getting an account just to, because no one, I mean, who wants to pay tax? I don't know of anybody mm-hmm. who really wants to pay tax. Um, but there's certain things you might just not know. You're not, you're not doing the research. You're not in it and you're scrambling and spending your time and, and you know, you spend 10, 15, 20 hours maybe working on it, trying to read and understand what they're talking about, whereas you could spend a small amount of money and pay somebody else to do it. Yeah, I. so I basically had to do my tax. When I was a kid, it wasn't a big deal. Like my, Yeah, if you got a W-2, I mean, and you like, can operate a, a, any type of program, you can do your own tax. Why even, like back in the day, I think I think my employer did my taxes because they took, well, no, they took money out. I had to still file my, I think I gave it to my dad and he just had his accountant Whatever, do it, yeah. which it took like nothing. And then when I got into real estate, I always had an accountant. I've always had an accountant. I just, my, my thing is, I mean, how many times do I call you and just about stuff? Like, I'm like, I don't know this answer, you know, or whatever. Right. And I think for me, one, it's time. I don't want to learn it. And n- number one, even if I knew what to do, I don't want to do it. I get, st- you know me, I get stressed <laughs> out when it comes to tax time. Not because like I don't have everything. I just not, now it's, I mean, it's an unknown. It's just an unknown. But like my QuickBooks, you'd be impressed. I have, I've seen you're always up to date in it, man. Oh, oh, you can check Remember, that. Oh, yeah, I, I have. I can see everything. Twice a week, I go on and update I, it. I know. I, I, well, like it's in my list, so like I can see where how many un 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 uh, categorized transactions. I'm you always have. under like twenty. I know you're you're killing it, bro. Yeah. So I put in my thing. Now, now this. Now, is when the, we started, it was like six something. <laughs> oh my god, hundreds, hundreds. But and, it was like months of data that you're pulling back. It, well, yeah, and and I think I'm curious because I told you my goal is to have everything done by January of this year taxes which i think that can happen end of january yeah absolutely end of january well yeah. typically they don't open filing until like february okay so whenever like i want to yeah. be done like early in the process because i stress out about it and i wait and i wait and i wait and like a fast for me is getting it done in march i've actually never had to file an extension this year was the first year yeah, this year was crazy yeah but I mean, you, you didn't actually have to file an extension it was like that free th- yeah. Three months they gave everybody to July 15th. I've never had to file an extension before. I know a lot of people do. I just was like, no, I'm just going to get done. Like, I, I, I just, don't believe in filing extensions. If I don't have to file an extension. because no, you're just procrastinating. I, exactly. Yeah. So my thing was like, I'm not going to procrastinate. Like this year I definitely did. But the past years I've never procrastinated. I'm like, no, I'm just going to get it done. There's no reason for me to sit here. You know, so, but I think like, it, I always laugh because like when people talk about not using a, a realtor, one of my lines is like, I have an accountant for my taxes. Like I couldn't, not only is it going to, I don't have to learn it. It saves me time, but I'm going to, like you said, I'm going to miss out on a lot of stuff that you know about that I would not even know about. Well, I, I mean, can take like, advantage of stuff or all of a sudden it's like, Hey, yeah, you filed your taxes, but you missed out on three things you're eligible for. And if you're looking to buy a home and you're not hiring a realtor, that's the dumbest thing ever because it doesn't cost you anything. Oh, as a buyer agent? No, yeah. it doesn't. I know it's a crazy. But if you're looking at a seller, like just look at it. There's that guy on Prospect that's had his house super overpriced over the market. Yeah. He's been trying to do a four. I mean, because I look at the market all the time. Yeah, years and years and years. Yeah, you're never going to sell a home. Like you, you've got to have some come to realization that. Well, it's not. It's like the crazy things. So take. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> So, you're over actually end of the road or middle of the road? Middle of the road. Okay, that, I know exactly. It was a okay, beautiful no, home. Yes, I, mean, I know you're talking but about. But it's on prospect, which is a very there was two, traffic. and one just finally listed, and they're pending now. But the, the one that was for sale by owner, it was for a while in the, in the middle of the road. No, this one I'm talking about okay. is at the end of the road. Okay. But this one, but there's one in the middle. Yes. So the one in the middle, the problem is, you go through three agents. 
the agents you went through were good agents. You know what I mean? So it's not the agent's fault. Like it, there's a common it's denominator. It's, it's you. <laughs> well, yeah, at certain points, a price. But the other thing people don't realize is if you're asking X and someone gives you X, but X is 20% more than what the market is, the appraiser is going to shoot you down. You're not even going to appraise out. So like there's a checks and balance. So people that want to get a certain number, I'm like, that's totally fine. But it, Someone's going to have to put down a hundred grand to buy your well, house. Well, they have to go above and beyond. The, the bank the, won't loan. Yeah. It's like, yeah. why would someone over, if a bank comes in and you're asking 250 and it's really worth 210 and someone's going to pay 250 and they find out it's worth 210, why would they give you $40,000 over? Big cities, yes, that happens because that's just the way. I mean, I know markets, it's like 30000 over appraised value is normal. You just pay it in, out of pocket. We're not at that level in Clinton County. So, like, if somebody's paying, a lot of money above and beyond the appraisal. It's very, even in this market, even being in the seller's market, I'm not seeing people paying over the appraised value very rarely. Now, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, probably it's happened this year to some agents. I haven't had it happen this year. You where gotta someone, find the right buyer to do that. Well, they got, and they gotta be willing to do it. Be yeah. like, listen, like, you're, uh, it's actually the bank's valuing it less than what you're paying for. Do you wanna make up that difference? Now, obviously, they have to, or the seller's just like, yeah, we're just gonna kill the deal. And you're like, well, I don't wanna lose out in the house. The problem is, though, the next buyer is going to have the same issue. So really, they, they, the seller would have to drop it. I mean, they can argue you can go up in price. But at that point, again, it comes down to the buyer. Like, do you really like the house that much? Or where you will just spend cash out of pocket above and beyond what it's appraising out for? Because you're going in basically negative equity in the property. Yes. So, which some people do, I guess. But in bigger cities, that definitely happens. But we haven't seen that locally in Clinton County, which... Well, a lot of times, like, like I used to always tell people, like... For, for a lot of people, a car purchase is the biggest purchase you're ever going to make in your life. Some people never are homeowners. Mm -hmm. And it's such an emotional purchase. And it's so easy. I mean, it's a lot of people play off those emotions. I mean, especially with cars. Like, a lot of people identify themselves by the car they drive. It's 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 strange. And, and you know, it's like people will make irrational decisions because... They, oh, it's like, emotional. Like I gotta have this car. This is the one I want. Like there's always another car that's gonna come along. Mm -hmm. Like never fall into the whole emo. Like if emotional buyer can be Im manipulated so bad in buying something. Are you an impulsive buyer? No. So you think things through? Absolutely. I'm like. I mean, I should say that some things I'm an impulse buyer on, like golf clubs and. <laughs> but like this, this is like me with golf clubs. Like I bought. You know, I bought a bunch of clubs this year, so I'm like, I, dude, I stocked my bag good this year. Like, I was excited. Like, I, I suck. I like was, I didn't play well this year, which is crazy because I played more this year than ever. Next year, my goal is to get down to single digit. That would be incredible. Handicap, which I think I can. Yeah. I really think I can. My, I used to shoot my the best I ever was. I think I was a. My average score was like a 77 or 76 back in high school. I was like a senior in high school, I think. And then I just got to the point where I kind of... Yeah, practices everything. But I just like got out of golf, like between work and between school. And just like, I like golf, but I just kind of lost interest in it. And then now, if I break 90, it's a good day. Absolutely. So, but my thing is if I can... Um, that's, I think, my goal next year. Because I, I had glimpses this year where I'm like, I'm not far off. Because when I'm hitting the ball well, it's I'm hitting the ball better than I ever have in my life. Farther, better, better, just like movement on, or not movement on the ball, but you know what I mean, like better, yeah. like trajectory and everything. And I, as odd as it sounds, I have a better understanding of the golf, a little bit better on the golf swing. I got to get better at it, but I understand golf technology better. I did a lot of research this year when I was getting clubs. I haven't bought clubs in 10 years. 
So like yeah, back back then, like oversize. Well, remember that whole thing from blades to oversized. Well, yeah, like I had cavity no, back. I had cavity back have, irons, and I still yeah. do, but I haven't bought new irons yet. I did. Yes, you I did. bought the ping irons. The, the, do you like ping? Because part of me was I was never a ping guy. Oh my god, I love these clubs. I know uh, so few people. Well, have like, pings. like so the thing is, like, I demoed them. I demoed the G four ten and the G seven ten. Yep. And I thought to, I'm like, why would I buy the old? There's already out. There's already a new one out. That's the worst part. Is like, as soon as you buy something, <laughs> a few mm-hmm. months later, you're, you don't no longer have the newest ones. But uh, um, I went from uh, I was playing on one length irons. You know, oh really? Yeah, the Bryson DeChambeau's, you know, <laughs> and I figured because I I had golfed younger when I was younger, not in high school or anything, but I golfed here and there. I golfed here and there when I was older, um, and then I think about like five six years ago, I took it up again, like real heavy, and I bought those clubs, um, thinking it would help me. This was like two three years ago. It would help me because it's every iron's the same length. You have the same shot set up, the same swing. You do everything exactly the same, and you set up one consistent swing. And it did work, and you know I think I kind of like plateaued on them, and then I moved back to these traditional irons, and it's it's been tough. Um, I got them fitted, you know, so which is mm-hmm. cool, but it was it's been it's been tough because it's like I feel like you're learning how to hit all over again. But uh, I really laced it in on that for the kids tournament. I can tell you what. Yeah, you played well in that. <laughs> I, the uh, we haven't had a. I got kind of a recap podcast coming up on that soon but um don't hey don't air the part in the beginning i was talking a lot of trash we i, I was after i said up like i was like galen's cheating he's got oh, all that, the good players oh that's definitely making <laughs> i was actually gonna bring that up so i'm working on the move okay so folks i'm bringing up the movie right now one of the opening scenes is hannah asks she goes what'd you go so edward were you here last year he goes forrest was here last year i think i took that part out but um I think she thought your name was Edward, not yeah. Forrest. Oh, well. it's a, it happens. Edward, comma, Forrest. So the, uh, but then at one point you just said that I was only going to win if I cheated. And I thought it was great. I'm like, I'm leaving that line in there. Oh, like, and then I, I like walk by and you go, there he is. There he is right there. <laughs> so you definitely had the better golfers. Handicaps well, came into play. I mean, well, so I, when I looked at the team stacked up, I'm like, we're going to get smoked. Well, I knew we weren't going to. So my only. Like, we're looking at the board right yeah. here. My only... The only thing that I was worried about on this whole thing was... And this is why I kind of had to move stuff around is... One, it was handicapped. In match play, the higher handicap, technically, I would say, has the advantage. Because if you think about a 40 handicap, which we had some players that were 40... Yeah, I've never heard of a 40 handicap. I, so, thought, max, okay. I thought max would be 36. So, we had this... This came up. Right? Double bogey? Isn't so, max double So the bogey? max originally was 36 for male. Right. Um, I think it was a little bit higher for female. Maybe been 40 okay. for female. So originally, we were going to add in everybody to have a max handicap. Well, I guess last year, USGA came out with new handicaps. And the max is 54. Never heard of that. Which I added neither. So needless to say, I think a couple individuals had too many strokes given to them. I think a couple people actually. There was one. Yeah. one uh, how about Amel Varga? Never. It was his first time golfing. This guy was lights out, driving further than me, hitting straighter than people me. I was said, like, people said that. I, I didn't play with Amel, but he said that he's only played like three times. He he had never even. He's like, I remember he came to the ADKYP event for uh, Learn to Golf. First time ever picking up a club. And I'm it definitely, obviously, first time picking up a club. You're gonna be. It's pretty challenged to even hit the ball a hundred yards. Let's say. 
And I'm like, oh, this should be, you know. Then I see him. I was paired up with him in the first four ball one. This guy's out driving me by 40 yards. I'm like, what the hell happened? And like, I had to give him 18 strokes on the well, I was I was talking to him, and he goes... Yeah, well, and the, the thing is, though, like, driving the ball versus, like, the short game, because the short game is where people break yeah, down. That's where I got him. Yeah, because you don't have the touch. You, yep. don't, you don't have the understanding of golf. But there was, a couple, there was one individual... Joel was the only person that we played with that I think we should have increased his handicap slightly. Because he had a high handicap, but he doesn't play golf. And like I think he would be the first to admit it. He's like, I don't play a lot of golf. I'll definitely play because I'm like in. Yeah. Um, there's a few people that I thought were over-handicapped. Um, cause I heard if, Matt Craig played pretty well. <laughs> better than a 40, yeah. in my opinion. But um, So what happened was we ended up... When I did my handicap for myself, they had me down as an 18 because I took the average score. Well, my average score at the barracks, I would say, is about a 90. But your handicap's not based on your average score. It's based on... Your like, last I, performances. It's but I think really it's your heavy. like potential score, which is like your top 40% or something. Right. yeah. So for me as an 18 handicap, I'm like, I'm not an 18 handicap because I was looking at like Steve-O, who was a 3, Mike, who was a 5. I'm like, there's no way Steve would give me 15 or whatever it was. 13, no, 18, 15 strokes in a match play. I mean, there'd be no way because that means I could just bogey golf and Steve would have to play par. Like, I'm going to beat him. Well, I mean, yeah. It, but, but Steve wasn't going to ever, like, it'd be much harder for Steve-O to par out on that course than it was for me to bogey just, out. Yeah, absolutely. So that's why I was like, it's and again, it's match play. So technically, if I have, like, a bogey and Steve makes a bogey, his bogey is way more detrimental than my absolutely. double. Yep. So... I actually went down from an 18 to a 15. I dropped my handicap for it because I'm like, that's not. I don't. I didn't want to get. I don't want to win because I was getting strokes. Like I wanted to like, like I'll win getting strokes if I play well. But I didn't want to like play mediocre and win. Like I wanted to actually have to play well to win this. So well, I played league this year at Barracks, and I, I they had me down for so it's nine holes. They had me down for like a 10, I think, for nine holes, which mm -hmm. I did. I came out my first week and shot bogey. I shot like nine over par. And every week after that, I was like, I just blew up. And like, I had a horrible stretch of a few months playing golf. And I was like, you know what? I think I just need to take a break. And between the end of league to that tournament, I hadn't picked up a golf club for three weeks. I was like, I just need a break. Really? Yeah. I was like, I need a break. You, I was like, I, 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 I didn't play with you, but I heard a lot of people said you played oh, very dude, well. I played lights out. I made, yeah. in the 27 holes, I made three 30 or 25 to 30 foot putts. Uh, I just, I don't know. Played. Yeah. I played. It yeah. was the challenge. I mean, I got a text. I think it was from Meg. Are you playing in the tournament? And I'm like, D I think so. And she said, Galen said, stop being a pussy. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Well, I think because I hadn't heard from you yet. And then you said, I'm not playing. I'm winning. Or something. That, that, was, that was exactly and, what I said. I said, I'm not so, playing. I'm winning the tournament. So this was, yeah, you're actually one of the only people that had been involved for two years. Because yeah. you, you were helping Matt Caddy last year. Matt. You actually are up on my wall up there. You got a photo down below. Oh, yeah. Um, do, did you like the format this year? It was great. I, I, I think we should definitely make sure this thing happens. And I, I can see it getting even bigger than this. It will. And this is, we've already talked slightly on this, but where is this going to go with the idea of, I don't want to turn this because the problem is everybody's like, we'll get it bigger and bigger. I'm like, you can't have the format if it gets bigger player wise. Meaning if you go a normal Ryder cup, is 12 people per side so we did eight and eight you could hypothetically say well can we do 12 and 12 we could the problem is you would 
you would end up adding to each of the matches, which I'm fine doing. We have to shotgun them out too, definitely. But you'd have to add an extra two matches to each. So it'd be six, six, and twelve, which I'm okay with doing that next year, where it's technically six, six, twelve, twenty-four matches. So really to win, you'd have to get twelve and a half points to win. You well, I mean right. at you, but Matt's team would have to get twelve. Like you'd be like his team would be tied. So you might be on my team next year, depending on how we draft. Let's do it. That's so <laughs> already like I already love it because people are really getting into this for next year, but I think the only, the, I think my only thing I would do is I would raise it up to 12 people per side. I think any more than that, it gets way too many people. And we want to, logistically, we wouldn't be able to do it. And it starts losing, it starts losing kind of like the, the intimacy of the tournament. Because there, there was something cool to be said about kind of knowing. Last, That was one of the best days of golf I've had in a long time. But it, but it was fun because it was different. And the problem is I don't want to get this to where all of a sudden we have 100 people that want to play. And now we have a scramble. We play scrambles all year long. Like this right. was way better than a scramble. Absolutely. Like this is the by far the most fun tournament well, I've played in all, all year. it takes all the pressure off from you as an individual player. And, you know, when you're playing four ball, foursome, singles. Singles was the only one where it was like, okay, pressure's on. But it, I had already it, had played 18 holes. Well, I'd honed in my day at that I, point. But I, I like the idea of um, I like the idea of having a little bit more. Like when I, I'll be honest, when I go out to play scrambles, I want to drink booze, smoke cigars, listen to music, and joke Pretty around much. my friends. Like yeah. I don't care if I win. I'm fun. out there having fun with my friends. It's for the kids, exactly. Well, most of the scrambles, <laughs> yeah, they're for whatever. But this one for the kids, like. Like I, people were actually like getting into it, like they wanted to win. And oh, yeah. This was the only time where we I was, had some competitors out there. Oh yeah, and this is the only time when I was playing like in a match against somebody. I'm like, no, I want to win this. Like in a scramble, I don't care. I'm not going to. Win. I literally could care less. We par, bogey, double, birdie, whatever. It's fine. On this, I'm like, I got to get a par here, and like you, but you focus more. And then and now, obviously, like I, there was times that like Adam Scarf like mopped the floor with me and on, on the. We played our first four ball and we did well. We With Adam. Our, oh yeah, you were Adam partner, and I. Yeah. yeah, Adam, very good golfer. He's it. He's a good golfer. And it was funny because Adam was. Um, Adam said, "Well, good thing I was golfing that day because when we went to go do the promo video, he showed up playing league. So I think it was, he was in your league, right? Uh, no, he wasn't in our league. Maybe he's in a different league. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. He was at the barracks for like a league thing. So we showed we. He literally was getting out of his truck and he was like on the phone. I'm like, "Hey, Adam." He goes, "Yeah, what's up?" And he like, came over. He was on the phone and I'm like. Hey, we're doing this thing on October 10th. Do you want to play in it? And he goes, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Just, yeah, I'm in. Like, didn't know what he was playing in. He's yeah. just like, I'm in. And he didn't actually really know what it was until he started seeing the promo. He's like, oh, wow, this is actually like a thing. And he loved it. And we had, and it was kind of cool. Like, Jeff Stitt got really into it. Alec uh, Adnaha got really into it. Um, people that I didn't think were going to, not that they wouldn't like it, but I wasn't unsure. I was unsure how people would, because it's the first year of anything. So if, ever, if we showed up and it wasn't very well organized or well run or people are just like, I don't know, they don't know what they're doing. I think everybody, like, no, I, I mean, think we did a good job organizing. I, I think this was one of in. the better tournaments I played in. I mean, I thought it was very our, well. our, everything was organized. The rules were out weeks before we knew what we were doing. Yeah. Lunches were, this is number one, lunches were there when we pulled up. Like Zooks too, man. I met, Meg definitely hooked it up. She did a great she, job organizing yeah. everything. MVP. I, yeah. she, well, she, she did it last year with us. So it was like. She was I mean, your caddy, I remember. She my, caddied my nemesis. For, she caddied for me, yep. So, but um, like me and Matt did it last year, but Meg kind of helped out on a few things. So then this year, I'm like, no brainer. Meg's got to like run, basically run it. And um, but a lot of it's cool. Like, I mean, we had like Corey Staffing like reached out like week one was like, can I title sponsor? And I was like, That's, oh, yeah. And I thought we had actually discussed like we'll probably get sponsorships in the future. 
I wasn't expecting to have somebody reach out year two and say, can I sponsor this? So this is where I kind of see how it's getting bigger. And I think that this is going to turn into like a legit, like we kind of like are putting stuff together, but I could see this every year getting elevated to the point where we've even talked to like, how do you even determine who plays in this? You know what I mean? Like we've thought about do lottery. You, do you do a lottery? Do you do, we thought about doing a play in cage match to the death <laughs> Royal rumble, right? Just pick numbers. <laughs> Who's first in the ring. Um, but it was kind of the whole idea of like, do we do a play in to establish who the 16 or 24 players that get in? But then it's like, okay, well, if we do that, like some players that we would really want to play wouldn't make it. Right. So we got to figure out how this is. That's the problem. We get to the point, like, do we just say, hey, you guys all played last year. Do you guys all want to play? And then all of a sudden it's like, well, if you, if you don't play, you lose your spot. And then the next year it's like maybe two of those people can't play. So like we have two openings, like who wants to play? And then we backfill it with a couple guys that wanted to play this year that couldn't make it. Because I think I think what we're gonna, I don't know, we got to work on it. But I think we'll probably give this this group of people a shot at the next the year. first opportunity. Like, do you guys want to play in this again? Because we're, well, I mean, I'll roll with the same group for. Well, obviously, we'll redo the team. I mean, maybe right. not. The teams were pretty fair because all handicap. I mean, it came down to the last match. Yeah, I mean, it was handicap where it was kind of cool when you had people like huddled around the board thinking like, who won it? Because. It, it really would have been, I mean, I was part joking. Like, I want to just clean house the first six, eight matches and just win it. But then it's like... Well, it, this isn't last year, all right? Where we closed it out on... on this year. What it was, no, last year. When you closed Matt out on, like, the seventh hole. No, it wasn't that bad. No, I, it was a 15th hole. 15th hole. And okay. I, I'll be honest, I played so bad. Like, there, I, like I shouldn't have... Well, you only have, had three clubs. So. No, I know, but it shouldn't have gotten that bad. Like, there was times I was like, I had some really bad shots last year that I... I, I was trying to close them out on 12. I think it was my... 12 or 13 was my goal, but... Um, I think this one though, the fact that it was tied going into the singles and then everybody goes out and like, shoot, this is like a coin flip. Yeah. So, I th- and I, I started that singles match and I kept saying, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to beat Varga the way he's playing, giving him 18 strokes on, on two and one. Yeah. I was like, there's no way. Yeah. And it, like you said, it was just the short game that definitely, I, I played lights out. I've never played that uh, on nine but, holes. I clocked four over par. I've never shot a 40 before. Typically, if I shoot 45 or below, I feel like I've done great. Well, well, basically, if you look at your matches, like you you played well in one, two. You basically were net one up. Like I was net negative one. I lost two out of three matches. So like you got to say like anybody that won, obviously three being the best, you either win three, one, you could have a have or something like that. Well, there was like situations like on, what is it, hole six, par three over the late, the little, little pond. He stuck one right on the green, like 15 feet from the hole. So he's putting for a hole in one. <laughs> we say that again? He's, that was Amel. Uh, yeah. He stuck one on the green. He was getting a stroke on a par three. So he's putting from like 15 feet for a hole in one. And I, he ended up getting like four, but. <laughs> oh, because yeah, he was getting that one. <laughs> it was, neg- yeah, it was getting. So he hit on. He, he was the only one of our foursome that stuck the green. And That's funny. He was literally putting for a hole in one, and I was like, "Oh my god, there's no way." Well, and that—that's the thing that next year. I but think that's a tough hole to putt on. <laughs> was it number seven? Is it seven or s- yeah, over the seven, water? Seven over the over water. The water. Yeah, yeah. So th- that's one of the things we got to factor in next year is who, handicap wise, we have to be more, a little bit more of a stickler for handicaps because I think we were for the most part, but now seeing kind of how some of those played, people shouldn't have had forties. Yeah, absolutely. And and the, the well, the problem was too. It's forty. If you think about it, someone shoots a 10, which if you're a 40 handicap, you're probably going to shoot eight, nine or 10 on the, on the round a couple times. If you do that and someone gets a par, 
well, that's one hole, but you would have lost four or five strokes. So when you take that handicap down, you might have lost four strokes on a hole, which might overall, you're, you're, someone's a 10 and you're a 40, you're giving 30. Well, if you lose four strokes, strokes on one hole, but in match, it's only one point. Right. That, that's the problem I had where... You can have your blow-ups on one you hole. You can have your blow-ups you and it's going to cost on. you a hole. Yeah. And, and someone who's a 40 handicap will have a couple bogeys, which if you're getting one or two strokes per hole, you're probably winning that hole, which is crazy. Considering that, you know, if you shoot an eight or nine, you just lose a hole and you don't lose four or five strokes. So that was my argument against it. And I think a lot of people were in agreement. So we got we to gotta just kind of figure out that next year. But I think overall, again, for it to come down that close, like the handicaps weren't that bad. I thought they were pretty no. fair. And I, I, what impressed me so much was that like, so yeah, the For the Kids Charity Golf Classic. Um, we had fun. But you got we raised five thousand over five thousand dollars for That's for two incredible. local charities in and, the in, a, in the middle of a pandemic and, and, where they're already having issues with funding and state well, contracts and all those types of things. So that was that was part of the reason we opened it up to more players because that got us some entry fees. Um, the Mulligans, did you see how oh, much? Yeah, I bought Mulligans. Oh, I did too. <laughs> did you see how much we made of Mulligans? I, I don't you talk about Meg I, I did. But when we went over it, and it, it, we made we made money. Three I mean, to four hundred, I think. Yeah, on Mulligans. Which is crazy because that's I, the competitive it. But that, that I'll give Jeff Stitt. He'll be mad. Uh, Jeff doesn't listen to this. He won't care. But Jeff came up with that idea. But it, I think we did that correctly. Originally, we were going to do unlimited mulligans. You had to pay for them, but they were unlimited. It was ten bucks per mulligan. But then we said, is it fair that someone could go on the ninth green and pay eighty bucks to have a twenty footer that hit eight shots and finally make it? So we didn't want someone to actually like buy the yeah, championship. Two, two on a hole. That's for twenty bucks. That was a good deal. Yeah. So, but it, it kept it kept a thing, it kept yeah. a limit on it. So someone you like you get you can get two, but you can only use two. So you got to be strategic instead of just saying like every bad shot you're paying ten bucks. Yeah. On our foursome, I, I blew on the last hole. The one we lost on, I had a about a seven foot putt. I already made tons of putts that day, and I used both my mulligans and did three of the same putts in a row. I'm like that broke right. Yep, that broke right. Literally three times in a row, and I'm like, I don't know how I just putted the same putt three times in a row, and we lost. <laughs> well, I, I yeah, I, it, it was fun. I, I, uh, I, I'm looking forward to. We're definitely doing it next year. We just oh, got to yeah. figure out how to do it, and we have at least right now we have a good idea, and it's going to get better every year because we just get better at it. And like a lot of the stuff's already done. Like we know who we're getting shirts from. We know who we're get, like. Dave's already said he wants to do the title sponsor next year. So like we have Those are nice shirts too. I'm not talking about some chintz. No, they were actually, like we got legit so, dry fit shirts. So I was actually thinking this is one of the things I told Meg. I'm like, hey, reach out to uh, uh we went through Fosters for the shirts. I said, reach out to Fosters and figure out talk with Julie and figure out a shirt. And uh, it's always tough when you're buying shirts. I'm like a guy that I want to go feel the like I actually want to feel the fabric. Right. You know, if I go like buy a shirt, I want to feel it or no, at least have you know, maybe based on like the percentage of rayon versus polyester or whatever. So we kind of went and we're like, we think this will be okay, but they're legit. Like they're I will nice wear shirt. that shirt I'll all wear. next year Absolutely. for golf. Like, yeah. and, uh, and, and the logo, um, Meg came, came up, up with the Meg okay, did. Meg did. Okay. And honestly, I'm like, it's a good I, logo. I like it. Yeah. Like, I think it looks, it's pretty inventive. And then, um, Coyer staffing was on the sleeve. I remember that Coyer staffing was on the sleeve. I think the only thing we may have been able to add that we didn't was put like Adirondack Young Professionals maybe on the other sleeve, which would have been kind of cool. Or like we step it up next year and put like last names on the jerseys and stuff. Just like, just like MO or like NBA jerseys or something <laughs> yeah. like NFL jerseys. Like what? And that's the thing. Do we, 
you know, when it comes to sponsoring, like I, I'm sure we'll do some more stuff and, you know, we try to make it where it's more legitimate than we try to keep it away from the scramble format because everybody does scrambles. So this is like the cool thing about this is we're like the first group that I think is actually organizing this type of format. Yeah, the so Ryder it's, Cup. it's new yeah. and it's a perfect time of the year because like the end of the year. So everybody should be playing up to that point. So really you're getting people at the end of the season when you would think they've gotten the best they're going to get for that year in theory. Um, I yeah, loved that was it. Me. I hung it up after that one. I got invited I to play in another tournament last weekend. And I was like, nah, I think I'm going to play. I said, I'm going to take this as a win. I should just finish the season I, out with this one. I, I want to. Yeah. So that's. I might that's, play Friday. That's the but I know, I know it. I'm going to go out weather, Friday. I'm going to shoot like a, like a uh, 110 and I'm going to be like, I should have just stopped on the last one. I know. I, 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 I want to, I don't think I'll have time to play Friday, but I keep looking at the weather. I'm like, man, I want to play. But part of me, I want to play. Like, I really do. But part of me is like, you know what? It's October. Like, hang it up next well, year. Yeah, you're losing balls in the fairway. Yeah. And, and they're, you know, pretty soon they're going to pull the flag sticks. And like, it's not, it's not great golf. It's like, I would actually rather just go to the range and just keep hitting because I can go out the range and that. hit in an hour. And, and that's just... all I did before this. I, like I said, I hung it up for two weeks. And then I think the Saturday, Sunday, Monday, I went out and hit two buckets of balls each day. Yeah. And just practice. Makes practice. a difference. Practice does. I, I hit I hit more golf balls this year than I ever have. And again, did I suck? 100%. But the ones, I know I sound like, a, like but, but when <laughs> I did hit it well. But like the, when I was hitting it well, like I was like I was hitting the ball better than I ever have. Like just the flight, the contact, just the spin. I'll be honest, the day of that tournament, I think I spun three or four golf balls back. I had one really good one. Jared may argue this. I had to, on number eight, we were giving a stroke. And I think Matt bogeyed it. I had to, I birdied that. Me, me and him literally were like, we had about 100 yards in just inside. One of us had to birdie this hole to win it. We both hit it to like 20 feet. I was just inside Jared. He missed his putt and I hit like a 15 footer for birdie. But I hit a nice, like, I hit, like, my, my lob wedge up, hit, jumped up, and spun back, like, it was like, I, 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 I flushed it. Tiger vision. I flushed it. And I was like, <laughs> that normally doesn't happen. But when it does, anytime it, like, is there anything better than a backspin on a wedge? No. Like, obviously, half the time we don't mean to do it. Like, we mean to do it, but it's not like, you could, like, how did you do that? I don't know. I can't replicate I can't it. Can't, like, exactly. Like, the next hundred shots aren't going to do that. But that or, like, flushing, like, a midiron to, like, a couple feet. Yeah. There's nothing, there's no better feeling in golf than flushing an iron to like tap in. I don't think you can crush a dry, but there's not a much better feeling than just flushing an iron. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know why or wedge just like just the tucking feel. a wedge in. You don't really get much of a feel out of a drive. No, I, I did have this year in Lake Placid, full disclosure. Which course? Was it fun? The, the mountain course? Have or? you played all the courses there? So I was a member this year of the, Lake Placid Club, and I really, yeah, it was a really good deal. A buddy of mine got me a. Yeah, I'm gonna try to get it again. It was a two year membership for like a hundred and some odd dollars. Really? Yeah, I. So I've been a member there what for was two the, years. What was the any limitations? No, you can play the mountain course whenever you want. You just pay for a cart if you, if you walk. It's free, but I would pay eighteen dollars for a cart. Really? Yeah, and it was like I, I want to say a hundred or two hundred something dollars for a two year membership. Is this still live? Uh, they said they're going to do it again. I asked them last time I was Does there. Does the links count too? No, you only get the mountain course. Can you do the links on? You can do one? the links if they're having I'm... a tournament that day, but yeah, they don't have a. They, I mean, it's a separate full full price membership. Because I really enjoy the links. The links is awesome. I've only played it once, and it was just it's so fun, and because there's no trees. Well, so the funny thing is, I, I played 
up until this year, I have never played a course in Lake Placid. I've never played. And I played the Lynx, the Mountain, and Lake Placid Club this year. Lake Placid Club's nice. And Lake Placid Club's nice. It's very narrow. I shot terribly. But the ninth hole is a 350... I think it was 356 par. And I had it like on the GPS when I was standing on the, on the fairway. Or on the tee. I drove it into the greenside bunker. Wow. Slightly... Slight wind behind my back, potentially slight downhill towards the end. I hit this ball, probably the best golf. Like I literally hit it as like if you had to pick a perfect spot on the golf club, I hit it. Like everything was perfect. Like I just hit it and like I didn't even feel anything. It just took off and I'm like, wow, I might like be in like fifty yards from the green. And like <laughs> I was literally in the greenside bunker. Wow. Hit out two putt par. Almost missed my par putt. So. <laughs> But it was just kind of one. Like, it's funny when you like... And that was only once. Like, it wasn't that good, but... No, Lake Placid Golf's fun. I mean, it's nice out there. It, this year especially, because the, there's nothing been a lot of people out there. The uh, the one you just said, though, is I, I really want to... Uh, I really want... I have to check on that, because the mountain course, I enjoyed a lot. For 200 it's, bucks, just to go up and... Yeah, for two years. That's insane. Because I, 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 I remember... Think, oh, like, I, play once is like 70 bucks. 70 or something. Yeah, exactly. I, I you, If you go more than two times in two years, you make your money... I think I went, I mean, last year I went probably 10, 15 times. I would Let say me this know, year I went I'm, seven or eight I times. I would definitely play that. Oh, it's a fun course. Uh, it's super we, undulated. There's like... Me, you, Ryan, and Jared have to go play the Saranac game next those, year. I know. Because we, we have a tourney. June of next year. We'll have to go play there, definitely. Maybe like a May round or something. But it's nice because they got good restaurants up there too. I usually, like, I, I con oh. my wife into, she'll come ride in the cart with me. If I take her out to lunch after, so does she play golf or no? No, not at all. My wife would get so frustrated. She, she does. Play. Yeah, I tried to. I brought her to the range a few times. She's, it's just not for her. Yeah, I would probably. Br- oh God, I don't know. She doesn't want to. She just knows she. Well, she rides in the cart and she'll just hang out, and you know, and if I'm by myself golfing, I can golf eighteen in under two hours. Do you like golfing by yourself? Honestly, it's the worst part is like I golf the best by myself because I think what when I when I golf with other people, I put too much pressure on myself and I get in my own head and then I end up making mistakes. When I'm by myself, I shoot usually my best golf. Yeah. Just and then it's like I'm trying to tell my friends like, oh, I went and they're like, yeah, sure. Because I've seen you last well, week and you it, shot. But if you focus on that, you know what I mean? Like if you're just spit, like because that's all you're doing. It's like you're not talking to anybody. I mean, like you're gone to play by yourself, so like you're not communicating with anybody. Like I used to play back in the day. Well, you're like you'll hit a great shot, and I'm like you see that, and she's like, "Yeah, that was a good shot." Like she has no idea. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm like care. I just stuck one from like 180 out, five feet from she's the. Like, I know they do it on TV all the yeah, time. She's like, I've seen Tiger do that many times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think uh, like putting headphones on, walking down the fairway, listening to music back in the day as a kid. I tee off at like 6:30 by myself. Pop like literally, I'd have headphones in and just like play 18 holes and listen to music. It was awesome because it was just like calm and just like hit, walk up, hit. Of course, that was back in the day when you lose golf balls, so now it's a little more searching than I would yeah. like. But um, yeah, no, it's all good. Um, all right, want to wrap it up? Sure. We didn't even get to. We got to Florida. That was as far as we got. Florida, what? To where you lived? In my life story. We we can we can do more. <laughs> I just realized it's 7:08 and. We took some serious rabbit trails there. Well, serious rabbit trails, and we, we wasted, not you, me, wasted time like getting this thing up and running. We're supposed to start at like 540. We probably started at closer to six. It's all good. Um, End of the day, if you got a W-2, do your own taxes. If you don't, come see me. Well, you just, and where can they find you? Um, so if you're looking for me, just me, you can find me at no tax, uh, www.plattsburghtax.com is my website. Um, 
I'm on Twitter. Uh, I don't know what my handle is. No tax NY, I believe. Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever. Just search No Tax. K N O W T A X, one word. And I specialize in bookkeeping, payroll, and tax. That's it. It's very simple. Do you do car stuff on the side? Nope. If you I want- mean, I, I thought about doing like, because there was like a multiple times where I wanted to do a car buying experience where like, so you pay me $500. I find you, you tell me what car you want. I find your car and I go with you to the dealership and negotiate your deal for you. Would you pay for that? Like, I think people would. Hey, question, question for you. Last thing I'm going to leave with. Would you rather be the greatest accountant in the world, the greatest car mechanic in the world, oh, or the greatest golfer in the world? Greatest golfer in the world. Me too. <laughs> Hands down. All right. That's episode 97 of the Galen Trombley Show. Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling, G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.